Hey everybody, welcome to School of Ministry Evangelism. We only have one more class after this one. Is that crazy? This uh, this session has totally flown by. But welcome to tonight. Quick little uh, announcements to share with you guys. We have um, the computers are going to be designated to do different things tonight again. Um, a couple of things that I want to highlight is that uh, we will be starting up our next class in January. I'm blanking on the date. It's either I think it's January 5th or 6th or 7th, one of those three. Um, it's, it's listed online, though, and that's on discipleship. And so there is a discipleship book that Phil has written for that class. It's incredible, and we're excited to go through that with you. The idea of discipleship, too, just mind you, is that everybody in the church goes through it and that we are all a, uh, a part of duplicating that. And so we encourage you guys when you buy the book, which we'll have in two weeks um, and two Sundays on the 14th of December. But when you buy the book, we encourage you to buy two books so that you can go through one of them um, in the class. But then the, the, you can give it to somebody else and lead them through it as well. It's not a gimmick to make money for us. Uh, Phil would have to sell a lot of those to make the money back. We just are interested in people being discipled and learning about discipleship, okay? So that's uh, one thing. You can start to sign up for that tonight. If you want to do it online on your own, you can also just go to influencechurch.org backslash ISOM and sign up for that there. The book is $20, and it's huge. But we will be going through it in uh, manageable portions. I'm just saying you're getting your money's worth. It's good stuff. It's like the Bible, but different. Um, <laughs> so discipleship, of course, there's Jesus culture, the retreat. We're going on the 23rd through 20, 20, yeah, 23rd through 25th of January to Jesus culture. Again, if you are planning on going to South Africa, this is a great trip to prepare you for that. There will be some training and evangelism and also just a really great time of preparing your heart for the trip. You can sign up for South Africa tonight. Um, and then we also told you guys that we were going to have an application to this evangelism class that was going to be worth one unit. It's super easy to pick up an extra unit and here's how you're going to do it. Okay. It's this Sunday. You do need to register for it, but this Sunday is the tree lighting, the city's tree lighting that's going to be hosted by us here on campus. And what we want you to do is at the tree lighting to find people, multiple people, single people, whatever, just find people and go and evangelize to them. We're going to have people that are here, hopefully, from the community. That's the idea um, throughout all of Anaheim. And they're going to be coming to our campus here. And so you're just going to take what you've learned in this in this classroom. You're going to walk outside these doors. And you're going to tell people about Jesus. You're going to share your faith. The way that we're... Um, we're measuring y your involvement in the in the courses that there will be a link that we'll send out to a page where you can either copy and paste your response or just type your response right into a paragraph um, section there for us. But you're going to share just about your reflections, what that was like, okay? And so if you are going to be a part of that, you're going to meet here at the church at 3.30 because the tree lighting starts at 4, and you'll spend those three hours really just ministering to people, evangelizing and trying to tell people about Jesus and share his love with them. So, again, that is the evangelism application course, which you can sign up for tonight as well. Um, I have two flags I get to give out, and one of these, um, actually both of these are representing families, and so can I have a representative from the Yeomans family come on up to grab yours? And, and then John Ball, on behalf of him and Crystal, they are also signed up. So come up and grab your flag. Thanks for being a part of this. 
If you are interested in going to South Africa, we'll probably grab you for a couple minutes afterwards because we do have some things. When I said goodies last week, um, you probably thought I was talking about candy. I wasn't. I was talking about like paperwork and stuff that we have to share with you. And so we have a a letter from us as a pastoral team that you can send out with your support letter. But We'll talk more about that later. Just want to give you a heads up before you leave tonight to make sure that you stick around to grab those things. As we begin, I wanted to share a reflection with you guys. It came from this weekend, and I was putting Christmas lights up on the house with my dad. And our um, lights are older. They're getting older. They still look you know, pretty decent. But you, you come across those bulbs that um, once you turn them on, they fire up, and they're super bright. And it's, it's, what's interesting about it is like they're super bright, and it's just it's their last life and until they burn out, and then they just, you know, like... And then the the glass fogs up with smoke from the explosion within. And what's interesting is I was like, God, Dad, the, the stars do that too. You know, like the stars, when they are reaching the end of life, they grow super bright and then they just explode and the life goes out of them. And I thought about how that is with, with uh, people. I thought about the fact that there's these people who seem to be so far from God and it seems like they're so invested and they're so like, you know, they, they seem to be burning so brightly in the things that they've uh, subjected themselves to in this world. And, you know, there's people in our life where we're like, that person's so far from God, they want nothing to do with them. I don't even know how to reach them. And it's like, oftentimes we see them at the pinnacle of their debauchery or whatever, the sin that they're involved with. We see them in that, and we go, ah, oh, there's just, they're too far. And yet what what I would like to challenge us to also consider is well what if they're just at the end of that you know all the power like this is the last burst of energy that they have and they are just ready to break and to be picked up by Jesus and so as we continue to explore these things of evangelism and as we continue to step out and as we continue to find ourselves confronted with these people in our workplaces and our families and our neighborhoods who just seem like they're too far gone or like they would never want anything to do with Jesus perhaps all they need to hear is the gospel one more time. Perhaps they've actually reached the end of the rope, even if it looks like they're excited about life, the way they're living it. Perhaps the Lord just is calling you to open up your mouth one more time, maybe to say the exact same things that you've already said, but that that person might be just at the breaking point. Let's pray. Spirit of God, we welcome you tonight. That I just pray that our hearts would be open to you right now, Jesus. We don't want to do this class without you. We want to do this class with you. We want you to be the teacher. And so, Lord, as there's a, there's a lot of talking heads tonight, from me to Phil to Tammy, Jared, and Lucinda, but, Lord, we, we just ask that there would be a unity about the word and that really you would just be the voice that is speaking to us tonight. And so, Spirit of God, continue to do that. Minister to us. We're here. We present ourselves to you and ask, come and teach us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nathan. Hey, good to see everybody. How you doing? Good? Huh? Yeah, you did good? Everybody awake? Alive? That's good. Um, You know, a couple of things I want to do just uh, by way of public service announcements uh, and by way of uh, just ministry, um, our worship pastor, John, has got some tendonitis in his arm, and uh, the doctor told him he can't play guitar for two weeks, and um, I know he probably will, 
but um, you know, I just know John pretty well. But you know, it, and it's probably from too much texting to me. If the reality is, but you know, one of the things that we we do here is uh, we pray for people. So I, what I'm going to do is he didn't know I was going to do this because he probably would have ran. But um, but I'm just going to um, I'm just going to have all of us stand up right now, and maybe two or three of you who just feel like God put that on your heart, I want you to go to him right now. Lay hands on him and pray for his healing. Would you do that? Just two or three of you just run over there. Okay, we don't, you can't all go over there is what I'm trying to say, okay? But you say, I just really feel like I need to go there and be there for him, okay? And the rest of us, uh, we're going to just join them as they pray. And I'm just going to ask you wherever you are, you might just want to extend your hand that way and just uh, just as a kind of a symbol of, uh, of, of just faith. And uh, can I just say that a big part of evangelism is healing? Amen. Amen. It's not just the ministry that we have as believers. It's a ministry to unbelievers as well when they see the mighty works of God. We were at a uh, company dinner we were invited to. Um, we've been invited twice, and we haven't been able to go until this year. And it was, it was so amazing. Uh, the people that own the, the company go to our church. And I just want to tell you what, what he did because it was really, really was amazing. Um, the only really people we knew were the people that owned the company, whose dinner it was. And there was probably 150 people at this dinner. And so the first thing uh, Paul did was he got up and he said, hey, we are called as, as people, and they deliver oxygen. So that's what they do, okay? But here's what he said. We are called to be a blessing. And, and their whole, the whole way that they operate their company is that when you go in and deliver oxygen to someone or you go into a hospital, you're there to bless them. And once you set everything up and get them all going, you at, then they, you ask them, is there anything else you need me to do? If they ask you to wash the car, you wash the car. Take out the trash, you take out the trash because you're there to be a blessing. All right? Now, then he opens up the book of First Peter and begins to show. Let me show you. God showed me this scripture. For the next 20 minutes, wasn't it, babe? It was, it was 20 minutes. 20 minutes. This guy is preaching Jesus, the resurrection, to this 150. It's not a Christian. You know, it's not like, you know, focus on the family or something like that. I mean, it's like oxygen, right? And I'm sitting there just watching this, and I'm going, this is amazing, then people got up, and, and then he recognized all these people. And, you know, they're just, you know, just everyday people, you know, coming up, and they're just so proud, and they're sharing their story. He had three different people say how they've been blessed this year, and he asked them specifically. And the first guy was a guy who lost his wife. How you been blessed? His wife died of cancer. And he got up and started talking about how God had blessed him through the people in that organization. And I look, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is like a church, you know, it was just amazing. And, and, and I just thought, I told him, I said, what a blessing this was. You know, I had no idea what I was getting. I was expecting the worst. You know what I'm talking about? Company dinner, you don't know anybody. We're going to give you the stats and tell you all about our oxygen. And it was, I'm going to tell you all about Jesus. And I just thought, I was just thrilled by that. And I say that to say in so many ways, and I know many of you do the same thing, so I'm not saying that that's a, that's a unique situation. But um, what I want to say is this church is really unique in so many different ways. And 
we're going to have Lucinda and Jared share tonight, and this is going to be their last school of ministry until they leave for South Africa. So this is our last night with them, and they'll be here Sunday, and then they take off for South Africa for like three months, and so we will miss you. They've, they've figured out how to time the weather just perfect. They, it's summer in South Africa. Am I right? I'm right. And then so now that this cold, uh, bristly winter comes in, we're gonna, they're going to get out of town. Um, so we're going to hear from them a little bit more than usual tonight. And as you know, um, I, I do just want to make this a little bit of a family night because we're going to do some things. I want to talk to you about a number of different things. Um, but um, just the, the way that they came to this church and that connection that I just believe was a divine connection. And uh, as you know, we've had for some time a number of people who have, uh, who have been coming to our prayer wall who are of the Islamic faith. And then now they're starting to come to church and asking me where in their in their Arabic Bible is a particular book of the Bible. Fortunately, other Arabic speaking people in our congregation have come to my rescue because my strategy is to count backwards. I figured out where Revelation was and I count backwards and find the book of the Bible. So that's my Arabic skill. But I told Tammy uh, not too long ago, I said, uh, maybe a month ago, I said, I really just think God's going to use us to reach Muslims. I think it's going to, I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, and I don't really, you know, um, I've led one Muslim to Christ in my life, you know, and I spent a year with him going through the Quran and the Bible. And at the end, he said, this makes more sense and became a Christian. His whole family's Christians. His brother's Christians now, you know, they're all down in Houston and and uh, raise their children to be Christian. So it's, it's kind of neat to see that. But uh, so anyway, a few weeks ago, um, many of you may know um, uh, Joe and Margo over here. Raise your hand, guys. Okay. Aren't they cute? And, um, and anyway, so uh, we met them, and then before long, um, you know, they kind of spilled the beans about Influence Church to their parents, and they're over here. Uh, raise your hand, guys. And... Uh, um, and so they started coming, and so I'm just kind of casually talking to Alec after uh, church one day. I said, "So what do you do?" He says, "Well, you know, I'm you know I'm trained as a medical doctor, internal medicine, you know, but I started praying for patients, and they started getting healed, and and then I figured that maybe I had a ministry to this. So now he broadcasts via satellite out of Long Beach. If I get any of these facts wrong, you can correct me, but out of Long Beach and speaks, huh? Hunting Beach. I knew it was somewhere, some beach. He was on the beach. All right." On the beach, and now he's uh, speaking to about 20 million Muslims uh, every week, uh, presenting Jesus Christ in Arabic. So uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to have Alex come. I said, hey, why don't you come give us like the five-minute, 30,000-foot view. It won't be the last we hear of him. Um, hopefully, we can structure a class around how to reach Muslims, and he can lead us out in that. But I just wanted to tell you a little bit of his backstory before you come, because you're going to come after me. I, I I know, it's a beautiful setup. You should have come right then. But just hold on, all right? <laughs> all right, he's anxious. I'm ready to go. Um, but anyway, so just that's it. And I wanted to tell these pieces because these are pieces of, of the mosaic of this church and how God is putting unique things together for the kingdom. And, and that's powerful, and we're going to hear some more about that. I, I want to take a few minutes tonight as we jump into this and... and uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to take you just on a quick journey through a, a message that is at the core of what we do and what we believe. I believe that most of, most of Christianity, especially American version of it, but probably many, many parts of the world, 
are are basically practical atheists, okay, or at least deists. And what I mean by that is they believe in a God. They may believe in a God. They're not sure who he is. But then there's also people who believe there's a God, but he's 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 a different God of the Bible. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't really really have a place called hell. Really doesn't. There's just not. That's not real, and there is not a eternal separation. And I don't know about you, but I don't like the thought that there is a hell. But I don't. But I don't operate on my feelings and my thinking. I'd like to know that there wasn't a place like that, but there is, and I and I speak to that on the authority of the Word of God. And what I want us all to know, first and foremost, that we have a divine responsibility because there are eternal consequences for rejection of Jesus Christ. So it's not, this class is not just about getting people to church, though that's a really good and noble thing to do. It's also about presenting the claims of Jesus Christ in such a clear and concise way that people at least have enough information to make a decision to say yes or no to Jesus Christ. So in Matthew chapter 7, if you'll look with me there for a moment, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 7, and we're going to look at verses, uh, just really two verses, 13 and 14. Jesus says this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, when you think about man's eternal soul, what comes to your mind when you think about man's eternal soul? Well, you can think about it in a lot of different ways. In fact, people talk about a soul even if they don't believe they have an eternal soul. And they use terms like this. They're, if you'll jot some of this stuff down, what we, what, whenever people speak, always take notes. Trust me, you forget when you take notes. I guarantee you, you will not remember if you do not take notes. Okay, but sensation is is a part of the soul. When we talk about sensation, we mean an awareness of sound and pain. That's a part of the soul of man. The thought, so sensation, thought. Secondly, that's the mental content that we can we can express in words. We have this capacity in our soul. Our soul's eternal, that's why in eternity, either with God or apart from God, we have an awareness of sound and pain, right? The rich man in Lazarus, he was in torment. He heard speech. He asked for things to be communicated. He had knowledge. He had content of words. He had thought. He had belief. That in a, that in a belief is simply an accepted view about how things are, especially related to God. So whether you're in heaven or you're in hell, you have a belief system. You have desire. Desire is a part of the soul. It's the inclination to do, to have, or experience. Inclination. The rich man in in the scriptures said that he had a desire for his brothers not to come there. He made a request based on knowledge. Send Lazarus. He could see into Lazarus' domain, which is called Abraham's bosom, but, but, um, but Lazarus could not see into the domain of the rich man. 
He was sheltered from that, but part of the agony was he could see into the pleasures and the joys that, that, that Lazarus was experiencing. But the fifth state of the soul is what we call the will, and that's a choice. It's the ability to exercise power over something. So when we talk about this decision that we make for Jesus Christ, it is a choice we make as an act of our will. And we say, here are the claims of Christ. I would like to choose life. Or I'm not ready for life, or I'll take my chances, or I don't believe that. But either way, those are conditions or states of the soul. So when we begin to think about stuff like this, think about what God said all along. The message has always been the same. Deuteronomy, write this reference down. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, 19, and 20. 15, 19, and 20. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Could God have been any clearer? See, same message. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. And both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and he is your length of days. In the Talmud, it says this, two roads before us, one to paradise, the other to perdition. Jesus said it like this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the, road, the way that leads to destruction. Have you ever noticed in almost every city there's a street called Broadway? Do you know the origin of that? The origin of that street name was not because the street was wide, it was a term of derision against the scripture. We'll show you a Broadway We'll show you what we can put on Broadway. We'll show you everything that will tantalize every dimension of your feeling and being, and we will attract you away from God and that narrow way. That was Broadway. The Broadway leads to destruction, and it's appealing. He says, therefore, um, he says, and there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So the Bible says there's only two roads. We'd love to have a third road. A third road. If I had a third road, wouldn't that be nice? You know, third road is, you know what, you're a good person, and you gave it your best shot. You get in, but you know it's going to cost you something in the end. Why do we value roads? I mean, if you think about it, well, because we value choice. You, you know what's part of, uh, of, the, of being in, created in, in the image of God? is you have the ability to choose. See, God chooses. God chose to create man. He could have chosen not to create man. He put man in the garden, because, and he gave him the choice, because why? He's creating his image. You have the choice. Choose the life, the tree of life. Choose the, tr the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we value choice. We also exercise reason. It's a part of being created in the image of God. We kind of look at life and we say, well, let's see here. My reasoning ability says I'm probably going to live to be such and such an age, so let me live all my life, and I'll make that decision later on in life. Haven't we all had people that said that to us? 
hey, that might be great for you, but I, I've got a lot of living to do. I've got to do this, got to do that before I get on with this, this Jesus thing or this church thing or this eternity thing. And so there's something in us that reasons. And, and to Jesus' answer to the person who wants to reason was the answer that, of the man who wanted to build more barns. Remember that story? You know, I think tonight, I think I'm going to build more barns. It's been a really good year. It's been a good crop, and I'm going to build more and more and more. And, and then the message comes back, you fool. Don't you know this night your soul is required of you? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? You know the rest of it? And forfeits his soul. There it is again, that whole concept of the soul. We also consider ourselves invincible. You know, when we hear about somebody being sick or being killed, we never think about it'll happen to us, right? Man, that's bad. But the thought never happens, you know, and, and it's a good thing it doesn't. We don't want to live in the fear of today is my day, right? And that's a good thing. It's good health to not have that. But we ignore time. We ignore the very thing that God put on us as part of the restriction of man. You realize time is a creature word designed to show us our frailty, It, what is it about time? Have you ever noticed? What do people say all the time about time? I'm running out of. I don't have enough. Where did time? See, it, it, time is like a curse. It's a part of the curse on man. Because without, without this idea of physically dying or limitations of how far I can go and how much I can do, time doesn't become an issue. I, I have a funny feeling dogs don't worry about the time. You know, a dog lay around all day like, this is great. Aren't you bored? No, I'm good. Give me a scratch here once in a while, I'm good. Roll over a little biscuit, wag my tail, I'm it. I'm in. They never think about time because time is a part of what. And so when you talk to people and you witness to people, you have to understand this dimension of the soul. You have to understand this dimension of time because what you do is you build bridges into their life to communicate eternal truth. What, 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 if, what if life comes to an end? What, what if things don't work out? What if there is a God? And what we're doing is we're providing opportunity for people to deal with what's already going on in the inside. We're not creating anything new. We're just trying to get it out so they can deal with it in an in in interesting kind of a way. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, the Christian ideal has not been found try, uh, tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. That's what Jesus said. The narrow road is what? Hard and difficult and few find it. You see, not every road leads to the same place, does it? I mean, if everybody's right, then we have trouble because that means Jesus is wrong. You know who created narrow-mindedness? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. Let's say it together. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man goes to the Father except by me. That's pretty narrow-minded. Isn't it? So if everybody's right, then Jesus is wrong, and we're following the, guy, the only guy who's wrong.
But Jesus is a true light. Now watch this. Jesus is a true light coming into the world. Listen to this. This is really powerful. Who enlightens every man. So Jesus, because of who he is, he's not left people in complete darkness. He is revealing himself to them in different ways at different times. So that message is always going out. Um, you know, today we have a lot, we talk a lot about tolerance. We have social tolerance about people. We have intellectual tolerance about ideas. We have legal tolerance about religion. You know, the problem with tolerance is that it's a non-biblical view. It just really is a non-biblical view if you really get right down to it. It sounds good. It feels good. But in the bottom line, it hurts us. Let me, let me just quote something. This is the Ontario Consultants on Religious Tolerance. Okay? Sound like a interesting group, doesn't it? Here's what it says. That the systems of truth in the field of morals, ethics, and religious belief that we have studied are not absolute. They vary by culture, by religion, and over time. Now, here's what that means. What that means is there is no absolute truth. That means nobody's right. There is no standard of morality. That's determined by society. That's to study by opinion. It's even governed by culture. Here's a biblical view. The freedom of individuals to believe in, practice, and promote the religion of choice without government interference, harassment, or repercussions. That's, that's a biblical view. That if you happen to be Muslim, it is a biblical view for me to respect you and to love you. That's a biblical view. If you're in trouble, to help you. That's a biblical view. You see the difference? It's not to say... You're right, and I'm right, and we're all right, and get one of those bumper stickers with every religious symbol on the back and say, can't we just all get along, coexist? Yeah, no, we're not called to coexist like that. We're called to, to be Jesus to people, to love people, regardless where they're coming from. And what, you know, never, never, never are we ever in a position from a biblical standpoint to be mean-spirited, to be unkind, to be unloving to be unsacrificial. We are never, never allowed that privilege when it comes to people outside of our faith. And, you know, sometimes churches, what do they do? They, they create little holy huddles. You know, us four no more. We're going to love just the people in here. You know, we're going to do this kind of thing. And you know what? We don't exist for ourselves. ultimately, do we? We exist for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Don't we? You see, the mission that Jesus came, he said, I've come to seek, and to, save, to seek and to save the lost, and so send I you to do the same thing. We get the most thrill when people have babies. Ever notice that? Everybody loves babies. Bring a little baby, even if it's an ugly baby, you know? <laughs> Mom brings in an ugly baby. I love this baby. It's an ugly baby, but I love this baby. I thought my babies were really cute, you know, when they were born. And then I go back and I go, you know, they weren't that cute. They were mine. That's why they look cute, Right? But we love, you know, it brings, you know, happiness. Look at a little baby. Oh, you know, and it's even cute when they poop in their pants. Why is that not cute when we're adults? It's the same activity. You know, they get a little burp. Oh, cute. You know, guy, you know, that's not cute. Why is that? Because we appreciate the new life. That's why evangelism is such an important part of the church. Because even when they do 
goofy things. We love it because they're new and they're faith. And they go, you know, I can remember so many times, you know, praying with guys that were brand new Christians and they were cussing and they were using the F word. And, you know, you know, this is the best, you know, blank and blank and blank. And they're going on. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just smiling because I know the father's smiling. You know, and then there'll come a time where I can say, you know what, probably the F word in your prayer is not the best thing to do. <laughs> just a thought, just a kingdom idea here, right? Because why? You know, you, 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 you understand the newness, the freshness there. Now, if they've been a Christian 20 years and they're doing that, you probably need to have a little harder talk with them. Um, C.S. Lewis, let me just, uh, let me say this. This is so good. Christianity if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. That's good, isn't it? Wish I'd have said that. I did, but I quoted him. Jesus said, go to Matthew chapter, chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Listen to what he said. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, had we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's a really interesting scripture, isn't it? It's kind of like one of the one of the really sad scriptures in my mind. You know? What is that old poem? One of the saddest words of tongue or pen or what could have been? And here he says, you know what? There was some evidence here of the supernatural in their life, but there was not a changed life. That's why it's always the wrong question to say, are you a Christian to someone? Because people assume that because they're born in a Christian family, born in America, they're Christian. It's always a better question to say, when did your life change? When was there a transformation? When did you go from old to new, from death to life, from darkness to light? When did those kind of things transport, transform uh, you and your life? So here's the truth that we find in this, this earlier passage in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Here's what he tells us, literally. He says, more will be lost than will be saved. That's what he says. Many are going to be on that road. Few are going to be on this road. He tells us that many expecting to be saved will be lost. And then he tells us no one will be saved after death. Now, that puts a big responsibility on us, doesn't it? You know? We're not responsible for their decision. We're not responsible for the decision they say yes or they say no. We're only responsible to do what? Throw some seeds, right? Throw some water. Give a little fertilizing. And if you know if God blesses us and we're there when the harvest comes in and someone says, I'd like to pray and receive Christ. Man, we rejoice. But we know it's not about us. It's about Jesus, right? Because I don't save anybody. Jesus saves them. I don't heal anybody. Jesus heals them. You know? We never take the credit for what Jesus does. Never, 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 never. Okay, if you do, you know, then bad things are going to happen to you. Okay. Just don't take the credit. Just give Jesus the credit. Amen? Amen.
Uh, I'm going to have Alex come and uh, tell us a little bit about his ministry and kind of what's going on. This is exciting. I, I think this is uh, um, just a, a super opportunity um, that he has to, to reach um, the Arabic-speaking world. Alex, come on. Th- yeah, he's afraid to come now. <laughs> You're all dressed up. You, we, I feel a little like a bum. <laughs> I was in TV today, so I just came from TV. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Phil, and uh, thank you for your wife. We are honored that we find the family. We were born and raised in Egypt and Christian family. We immigrated to United States at year 1990. We received our citizenship. I was a doctor, my wife a dentist, but the Lord called us for full-time mission work. And uh, our mission is uh, through TV ministry. Uh, Today I was in TV and uh, the broadcast, it covers 99% of the earth. I was live for two hours and I can say Arabs and Muslims from all over the world watch us. And uh, every time I receive phone call, I ask everyone, did you receive Jesus as a personal savior? Today, we prayed for, uh, during the life for 30 people to accept Jesus from (laughs) the Middle East, from Europe, from Australia. We receive, uh, when we have two hours live in TV, we, we try to reach one billion Arab and Muslims. The number of Arabs and Muslims, 1.6 billion, one-fifth of the whole world. So in every five people, there is one Arab and Muslim need to know Jesus. We do this through the supernatural. I don't uh, discuss Islam with anybody, but I challenge them like Acts 2 was the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask them, if you want to confess Jesus as a personal Savior and pray with me, you shall receive healing, deliverance, touch of the Holy Spirit in your body. Today I had uh, a witness from Australia. Egyptian man lived there. He was diagnosed with uh, cancer lung stage 4 and spread all over his body. He had uh, paraplegia, he was in a, w- a wheelchair, but he witnessed today in the TV that when we prayed for him, you know, in the days of Jesus, Jesus laid hands upon the sick, he sent his word. But right now, as we believe in Jesus, we do things above and beyond expectation because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you do the works I did and more. So by phone calls and by text message, This man, I didn't see him, but he experienced healing, complete healing from cancer lung stage four, and he witnessed before the whole world that the Lord touched him, he can walk, he can move, and also only you hear in the news about ISIS and Daesh, but we are in the best season of harvest in the whole Muslim world because we are touching them during this Christmas season. I will have a series of live TV programs. I want you to pray for us because we are reaching millions and millions of them. They are hungry. They have no hope in Islam when they see the terror work. And uh, the second testimony also came from a Muslim from Mosul. 
from Iraq, the Sunni, they killed his uncle and his wife and his children because they are Shia. They are different from the Sunni. He told us, I'm tired from the Muslim religion. They called my family because of the difference. I want to give my life to Jesus. We prayed with him and he and his family accepted the Lord and wanted to be baptized. There is no church there to baptize him, but I have to baptize him in the phone and through the phone call. I told him, if you confess Jesus as a personal savior, you have to fill your bath and go in the water, baptize yourself. <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do this with thousands of the families and we are in a great season of harvest. Also, uh, we travel in between states. I had revival three months ago in Nashville, Tennessee to reach Arabs and Muslims and still people for that revival from three months. They report miracles of healing, deliverance and salvation. And uh, so uh, remember us in prayer, the name of the TV, it's Al-Karma, A-L-K-A-R-M-A-T-V.com. Uh, and we air to the whole world from Huntington Beach. One day I will take the pastor and also we use the media. We receive every day through the mailbook, through the Facebook, through Fiber and Tango, several calls and testimonies. And together we can join hands to change Arabs and Muslims and the whole world under the anointing like Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the first church people from Egypt from Libya from the whole Middle East came to know Jesus thank you pastor we love you we appreciate you thank you so much thank you all right isn't it, isn't it just great what God's doing in this place I mean you just kind of like every week you just go what's next What's next? Some cool stuff's going to happen, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think it's just, just allowing the Spirit of God to work, you know. It's, uh, it really is a miracle. Um, hey, we're going to keep moving. We just, we've got a big packed night tonight, so I'm going to have Tammy come and uh, share a little bit. So uh, give her a little honor here, and as uh, she come. Okay, I want to share a couple of things, oh, just awesome things, and going in tandem with what God is doing, because I do believe that God has his hand over the whole, this, this Muslim and Islamic movement. Um, I think with ISIS, I think with, you know, we're aware of it, and, and we're praying for it. So I have to tell you a quick little story. A couple of you heard this from um, yesterday, but... Yesterday afternoon, I just had so much going. I was multitasking, finishing books and the new conference and decorating and all this stuff we were doing. And I just had this, I have to go for a walk. That's how I kind of, you know, have my time with God. Anyway, it was an also awesome time. So I have this time with God and I have to left my house at noon. This is important because it's just the God's timing. And I was about halfway. And what I do is I keep my phone open and into my notes. And when God gives me a word, I just do voice activation and I just write whatever he's telling me. And I began just kind of praying over the new conference and God, what do you have? And God gave me this real vision that he was going to give us, he was going to drop down new in women's lives and he was going to do all this kind of stuff. And he gave me this vision of the Red Sea and, and, you know, he says, behold, I'll do a new thing and the former things. And I saw them going through the Red Sea and he, and he literally just said to me, you've got to tell the women that they got to get past the Red Sea and then I will drown everything in the Red Sea and they will go on. And I'm writing all this down and I put in the sea separates us from our past. He will make rivers in the wilderness, fresh water. And I just said that, and I don't even know fresh water. I didn't really know what that meant. 
and I was just like fresh water and it was just like the spirit was just saying I'm going to bring fresh water I'm going to bring fresh water so that was probably about 12:30. so I got home and I changed clothes and everything and I came down to help decorate and Sue Shirler stopped me and she goes Tammy I have to tell you what just happened so it was about 1 30 when she's telling me this and it was at 12 30 that it happened and she said it was the most crazy thing she said this woman needed to use the restroom she had gone to the post office and she came over and asked if she could use the restroom and she's Muslim and she said it's okay if I come in and use your restroom and I said well, of course it is and so she comes in and she's using the restroom right here and she had a son with her a high school boy and he walked in and he said um what is this and she said well it's a church and he goes a church it doesn't look like a church and she goes no it's influence church and we've got a tree lighting and you're welcome to come Sunday and and he looks over and he goes um could I have a drink and she goes well yeah the drinking fountain is right here now this is literally 12 30. He walks over to this drinking fountain. She says, it's the weirdest thing, Tammy. He reaches down, he takes a drink, and he looks up at me, and he said, thank you. That is the first fresh water I've ever had. At 12.30, the same time. Now, I have no reason why I said fresh water. I mean, it's not in a sentence. It's not. It was exactly the same time. Now, she's telling me that. She's just like, isn't that weird? And I go, come here. And I grabbed her, and I had her run back into the coffee shop, and I grabbed my phone, and I go, listen to this. And I showed her what time, and it was 1230 on my phone that I took my note, and it was as if God said, I'm bringing fresh water. And I'm bringing fresh water for the Muslim community. And I shared that at Women of Influence last night. And many of you know the four Muslim ladies who have been coming, and they put a prayer request in the wall. Well, their son has been healed. He's cancer-free, they announced last night. And, it, you know, I mean, it's crazy. So I want you to know, you know, the atmosphere is here. I mean, we can choose to move in the atmosphere, and we're looking, and we're receiving, and we're asking. And, man, I know I said to the women at Bible study a few weeks ago, just literally just say, release and receive. Release and receive. And he's releasing, and we're receiving, and it's just coming. I mean, they're crazy things, all these incredible things. So um, I want you to know it is, when I say atmospheric, it is here. We are in heavenly, the heavenly realms. We are praying down the heavenly realms. But you have to see it. You have to look for it. You have to ask for it. And like we said last week, and I said to you, we're going to do it in a minute, role play again. Um, you know, when you are at Target, when you are standing in line at Macy's, when, if you're aware and you're looking for ways to share your faith, when you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, send me. When you literally say, Lord, send me, then you're going to start looking. And so I get a text from Teresa Adams about an hour ago, and she says, Tammy, Tammy, I'm so excited. I just got to share my faith with the, guy, with, with the guy that just put in my new curtains. I'll tell you all about it. It's sisterhood tomorrow. And she said, had you not told me to start looking for it, I wouldn't have. See, you got to, who, who, you know, you're here for a purpose more than yourself. You're here to divinely share. So last week when I had you each turn and share your testimony with someone, you know, I'm going to be honest, in the church, we're going to be surprised because the Broadway is in the church, too. Did you know that? There are people who come to church and don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we grow up, just like Phil shared with us, many of us religious people, but we've not had a personal relationship. And the way you know that is if you don't have the power in you to make those changes, then you're living in your, with your own you're trying to will it. You're trying to do it. And Lucinda's going to talk about that in a minute. But it was so beautiful last week because I just want to look. I, it, Stu, raise your hand. Stu, I want you to raise your hand. I want everyone to get to know this man because, first of all, I look at you and I want to thank you because you are seasoned in the faith. And I don't know how old you are. Do you care to tell us? I'm in my 
All right, he's in his 80s. And he's a man who understands faith. And here he is, I don't want to ever stop. I don't want to ever stop going to evangelism classes. And so he is an 80, 80 plus. And last week when we were sharing our testimony, sitting next to him was Maria. Maria, I'm going to actually ask you to come up here. And, um, and literally, I think he knew how to ask her. It wasn't just, you know, when you say, what is your, your salvation story? What's your experience? If you start hearing people say, well, I'm a good person. I grew up in the church. I've always known Jesus. When you hear somebody that says, I've always known Jesus, you need to know it's time to start drilling. You don't, you're not born a Christian. There is a time in your life where you confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And Stu, in the most beautiful, eloquent way, was able to say to Maria, but do you really know Jesus? And when was that time? So Maria, come up because um, she and I met today. And I just want, I want you to hear a little. I asked her if I could put her on the spot. And she said, but this is all new for me. And, and I said, but this is what it's about. It really is what this class is about. And um, Maria, bring your, bring your stool up here because there's a couple stories I want you to tell. And first of all, tell about how a little of your background, how you grew up religious and um, the difference between, because we talked today, I used that verse that Phil just used, remember, that many will come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't, and you, be- you believed in God, prayed a lot, but you hadn't had that personal connection with him. Can you share a little about that? Yeah. Um, well, okay, kind of like what she said. I mean, uh, my whole life, I've believed. Um, I grew up with my grandma is actually who, you know, talked to us about God all the time. But I never really, I never had a relationship with Jesus. You know, I would hear people saying, God said to me, and I'd be like, what? (laughs) I never, I didn't get it. I didn't understand that. I still don't know if I hear him. Um, I want to. Um, So it wasn't, it it wasn't a relationship, but I knew in my heart, I believe, I I mean, I 100%, I believe in prayer. Um, But I've never I've never known him. And so what happened last, last Monday or Tuesday night? I sat next to Stu, and, um, and I told him that, um, that, you know, I, I'm here because I believe, and, I, and it, this place just feels so right for me. Um, and just the way he asked me, nobody's ever asked me. <laughs> um, and he had me say it out loud, and I said it, and it just it felt so different. It was, it was a wow moment. Yeah. Um, I want you to understand is that he asked her that's the key who's waiting for you to ask them just a simple little question of love and and you didn't meet you didn't know him before last week but his genuine heart and love for you and that simple question of just asking when did you meet Jesus how has your life changed since Jesus when was a time in your life when you asked Jesus to come in See, you have, somebody has to know that. You don't want to get to glory and find out someone you could have every single day at the office shared with is not in heaven because you didn't. And it's not guilt. It's, it's a, how exciting. I mean, these two just like, if you could have just seen this little heaven bubble over them. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than when you see someone come to faith in Christ. It's the enemy who wants you to think that, you know, you can't do it, or, you know, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yes, it is. We're called to do that. And, you know, Maria has been actually coming. She said that she was looking for a place like this. She's been actually serving. So she, you walk in, and you pass her because she's greeting. 
So here she's in the church serving, and yet she hadn't come to a personal relationship with Jesus until last Tuesday. And that's why I just want to make sure everyone knows him and those around you know him, okay? So um, what I want to do now, I want is we're going to have another little role play, a little practice. So I'm going to give you a little assignment. And you have to go to somebody other than your spouse, so we're going to have to move here for a minute. Are we going to break after this, or are we going to keep going? So here's your assignment. You can't break until I dismiss you, okay? So you have to turn to somebody you're not comfortable with. And again, um, go ahead and move. If you're, if you're next to somebody, go ahead and move. And I want you to share with them your, remember, salvation experience, not a, now remember your testimony, you have lots of testimonies. You have a testimony of what God did today, how he helped you here. Those are all great testimonies. But I want you to know your salvation testimony, when you met Jesus, how you met him, how you know you needed him. Share that and then turn and share it. You have two minutes and then share with the other person. Ready? Move, go. Move, move. Can't sit next to your spouse or someone you know. And then I'm going to give him one more because I want him to share like a witness one because it's good for him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Good. Well, we have an hour and a half. It's only. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I, I didn't Oh, know. yeah, you we'll break. To, would you have Lucinda before break? No, break? no, let's do it after. She's so good. This is good. They, this is good for them. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. This is, but see, this helps them so much start uh, practicing. Yeah. You know, just look at. What's, who are these two ladies over here in the end? They've been coming every Sunday. I've forgotten their names. She Remember her son was here last week. She brought her son to help decorate or something. Okay, how'd we do? How'd we do? How did that feel? Doesn't it feel good to tell your salvation story? You know, don't you just go back to that moment when you really did receive him and the beauty of that salvation experience. Okay, what I want us to do now is we are going to practice one more before our break. All right? And what I want you to do is I want you to think, it was really funny last night hearing the women because we really want to role play in a very safe environment sharing our faith or trying to evangelize, trying, trying to share 
this, this salvation story with someone. So you guys can set up the scenario for one another instead of me giving it to you. Like I said last night, there were a couple. I actually used it today. Um, where were we, baby? Oh, I think we were delivering the, the cookies. And one of the girls right across here, um, she said, we said, well, Merry Christmas. And she said, oh, Christmas is really hard. And Phil goes, well, why? Well, it's expensive. It was really, it's just really expensive, and it's a, I can't afford Christmas. And then I said, well, you can, she says, too many gifts. I don't have enough money to give all the gifts. And I said, well, you can give love, and that's free. Yeah. And you can give Jesus, and that's free. And so there are ways, if you're thinking about how you can go in, you know, because that is what Christmas is about. It is Christ's birthday. It is about giving love. It's trying to, so try to put yourself, this, I've said this before, this is the best season to share your faith because people will give you an opportunity to talk about Jesus during Christmas. They will. They're much more tolerant, to use Phil's word, during this holiday season. So take advantage of this season to share, to stop. The greatest thing to do is all week, between now and Sunday, invite them to the tree lighting. That's a great way. I've done everywhere I've gone today. I've stopped and said, hey, do you have kids? We've got a tree lighting up at the church. And snow and chilly, and that opens the door. And most of the time, somebody will say, you haven't been to church in years. And I was telling the ladies last night, I said, well, you know, there's this really cool church up the street. I love going there. They're the sweetest, kindest people. She doesn't have to know who I am. You know, now when she walks in Sunday and she goes, you. <laughs> but you know what? You can do that. If you're looking for opportunities, God will give them to you. The more you look for them, the more they come. The Spirit just opens up doors. So I want you to kind of set up the scenario for the person next to you. You're going to say, we are standing in line so-and-so. I'm crabby. Be crabby to them. It was Black Friday or whatever it is, right? <laughs> All right. And how are you going to turn that around and sow some seeds for the gospel? Okay. So two minutes, turn around, share, and lead the person next to you to Jesus. All right. Go. <laughs> Same person if you, if you want to. Very good. Well, it's good to practice on one another. Sounds like you guys are doing a good job at that. They don't want to stop. They don't want to stop. This is good. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Let me ask you a couple questions first. All righty. Woo-hoo. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, um, let me just remind you, we need all hands on deck Sunday night. We need everyone here for the tree lighting, and not just because you get credit if you evangelize, but um, we really, really, if you'll see Joanne, we have a lot of areas that we really need help um, Sunday night, and then we still need um, a few, do we still need decorations? I think we have paper, we have bows, we have poinsettias. I think we're good on decorations, right? You sure? Because we have 82 coming tomorrow. Okay. Okay, if you pick up a couple um, poinsettias or poinsettias, however you want to say it, um, yeah, but it depends where you come from, so, you know, uh, then you could bring those. We could probably use a few more, and uh, I think that's everything for that. Anything else? Okay, take about 15 minutes, grab some coffee, say hi to somebody you don't know tonight, introduce yourself, and take a couple-minute break. 